being locked up seems to be one of the worst things that could happen to any of us. But if you have put your faith in Christ, you know that God is sovereign, which means he rules over everything, and that he uses the difficulties in our lives for his glory and his purposes. The Apostle Paul, for example, was imprisoned at least four times, and good things always seem to happen as a result. Paul wrote letters, which became part of our Bible, and he dispensed wisdom, studied, preached, and led many to Christ. What good does the Lord want to do through you and in you during the time of the coronavirus lockdown and quarantine? Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be with you again. And you'll notice that we have a very interesting sermon topic for you today called Surviving Lockup. As I was praying and asking God to show me what to share with, uh, with the church, uh, I started thinking about what we're going through right now. And I, there's a lot of chatter right now on the internet and amongst family members and friends about what it is to be locked up and how do we survive this lockup. And so I began just to ask the Lord, Father, show me what do you want uh, me to talk about? What can I share with uh, with our, our people at Cross Church. And uh, what came to my mind is a study in Philemon. Philemon is one of the, well, one of the shortest books in the Bible. It's actually just one chapter. It's the shortest work of the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and we see in the book of Philemon uh, how Paul copes with his lockup. Before uh, we get into the book of Philemon, let me just remind you that this is actually the fifth week when we've been apart and we've had to do church online. And so I just want to say thank you to everybody for your participation, for your willingness to sign in and be part of our celebration. Uh, it's really important to try to keep our habits and to continue to meet at the regular time. Uh, it's, uh, it's important to maintain that part of your week where you are worshiping God. Now, I'm told, uh, I'm not 100% sure of this, but but we are going to be going on in this lockup for at least another three weeks. And hopefully this sermon series will get us to the end of that time. Although I must say, I heard that the prime minister is suggesting that maybe uh, we will be going right up to the summertime in these conditions. So what, what the future holds, I don't know. Uh, nobody really knows, but we do know who holds the future. And so for this reason, I want to encourage you to continue to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your strength and your help. And as we said last week, he is your hope. Because Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, your hope is not just wishful thinking, it's a sure thing. So you can depend on God, you can trust him, and you can rely on him and go according to everything that he has promised. And I'm going to tell you, you can go to the bank on that. God is good. Now, we need to continue to figure out a way to stay connected. And so we've been doing that through uh, various electronic uh, and, and tech and uh, social media means. Uh, I want to just encourage you to not grow lazy in that, to, to stay connected because you need it and the people and your friends and your family and your life, they all need that as well. Now, 
Um, I, I will say this, that one of the things that we have done, uh, first of all, is that we have stayed connected through our, uh, with our small group through Zoom conferencing. And I'm going to be talking about more of that in just a moment. Um, and we also have our prayer meetings on Tuesday night through Zoom. I would encourage you to do that. And uh, for this Philemon series, originally, the sermon series was supposed to be a small group series. And so I'm going to invite all our small groups to try to stay connected over these next three weeks. I would suggest that you don't meet for too long a period because we don't want to wear you out. But for about 30 to 60 minutes, meet together. And during that time of meeting, I would suggest that you briefly share how you're doing. Uh, please don't dominate the, the time, because again, it's only 30 to 60 minutes. But share how you're doing. Just share with people how you're feeling. Maybe you have a prayer request. Um, and then secondly, maybe just share with each other what you learned from the message today. And then pray for each other. And I believe that God will truly bless you and encourage you. So, for three weeks, we'll be observing the Apostle Paul, who was no stranger to lock up. Again, what a fantastic visual, because so many of us feel just like this. We're locked up, we can't visit anybody, we can't go anywhere, we can't go to restaurants. Uh, it's tough, it's really tough. I, I heard recently that a man and his children were fined $800 because they were just doing exercises in a parking lot somewhere. I tell you, it's... It's unnerving, and it's, uh, it's, it creates some, some sense of anxiety in our hearts. But I want you to know you don't need to be anxious, and you don't need to be fearful. The Apostle Paul shows us clearly what we can do in order to use our time wisely while we are in lockdown, or as I say, locked up. Now, um, the Apostle Paul it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says to the Corinthian believers, uh, imitate me. Basically, he's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so rather than, rather than focusing on Philemon, I'm doing something very different. And I, I wasn't sure if I should do it or not, but I, I'm confident in this because the Apostle Paul tells us to imitate him. And so we're going to look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Philemon to see what he is doing, how he is coping with lockup. And hopefully, as we look to the Apostle Paul and try to imitate him as he imitates Christ, hopefully we will be encouraged and we will be doing what Christ has called us to do. Now, the Apostle Paul is no stranger to being locked up. He was in prison at least four times for serious lengths of time. Uh, in Caesarea for at least two years. Uh, some scholars believe in Ephesus for at least two years, um, and also in Rome for at least two years, and maybe more. And then, of course, there, there were who knows how many other times he was locked up for short periods of time. When Gloria and I were living in Greece, one of the things we used to love to do is drive from Thessaloniki to the ancient city of Philippi. Now, there's nobody left there now, at least not in the ancient city of Philippi. But one of the things we love to do is we like to go to the part of the, of the ruins where apparently, or supposedly, the Apostle Paul and Silas were incarcerated. One of the things that we see as we look at the Apostle Paul and all the times that he's locked up, all the times that he is, 
is quarantined, if you want to use that word, is that he was productive. For instance, while Paul and Silas were in prison in, in Philippi, what do we find them doing but praising God and worshiping and singing. In fact, the worship and the praises and the singing was so great that it caused uh, an earthquake. And through that earthquake, uh, you can read about it yourself later, but the long story short, through, through that experience in prison, he was actually able to lead the jailer and the jailer's family to Christ. So I'm telling you today, that there may be, and there, there is a good reason why we are all quarantined, why we're all locked up. I know some preachers, some pastors are, are trying to cast out the demon of imprisonment, uh, but I, I believe that God is greater than Satan, and I believe that my life is in his hands, and we believe that God has a plan for us. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God is in charge, and we are going to look for God's will in the midst of this quarantine in the midst of this lockup. So I hope you're with me on this, and I hope that your heart will be encouraged. So in these three weeks, uh, we're looking at Paul's letter to Philemon. The theme of the letter is, in fact, forgiveness. Paul wants Philemon to forgive his runaway slave, Onesimus, and to forgive Onesimus, not just for running away, but probably... uh, Onesimus stole money from from his master Philemon. Paul is writing this letter because he's got nothing else to do. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you here. Here's Paul. He's got nothing else to do. And so he's able to actually sit down, write a letter, and bring reconciliation between Philemon and Onesimus. The wonderful thing, Paul says, is that Onesimus becomes a Christian. Somehow, we don't know all the details, but we're trying to fill in the gaps. Onesimus, when he, after he'd run away, he found the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul was able to lead him to Christ so that, so that he is now a believer. Now think about it. Philemon, who was a, a, a leader in the church at that time, and Onesimus are not just master and slave. That's not, that's not the relationship that defines these men. They are brothers in Christ. And the Apostle Paul wants to bring healing to this relationship. Now, like I said, we are not focusing so much on that, although we are going to obviously talk about that. But we're we're looking at the Apostle Paul to see what he does while he is incarcerated. Now, uh, let me just say this uh, about Philemon. Philemon is considered uh, not so much a theological work. In fact, it is the least theological work of all that he has written in the New Testament. Philemon is more about about practical Christianity. What does practical Christianity look like? Well, we see what Paul expects of Philemon. We see what Paul expects of Onesimus. We see what Paul uh, expects of himself. And and, and the numbers of leaders, Christian leaders and, and Christians that are mentioned in that one chapter book. Now, can I just ask everybody, would you take a few moments today, uh, maybe when we're done, to just read through that one one chapter? It's very brief. It's very easy to read through. So, what can we learn as Christians about what we should do while we are being confined by this coronavirus? Coronavirus 
is our jailer. How do we respond? What do we do? What do Christians do when they're restricted, when they're locked up? Amazing things do happen when people are locked up, interestingly. Uh, I, I know a number of people who became Christians because at some point in their life, the law caught up with them and they were in a position where they had to make serious decisions about their lives. The person that comes to my mind instantly is Chuck Colson, who was a great Christian leader in the last century. And uh, his, the, the effects of his work and his ministry are still felt today. Uh, you may have heard of a Christian fellowship, um, or Prison Fellowship International. This was started by Chuck Colson because he was in prison. It transformed his life. I'm praying that God will use this lockup to transform your life and, and mine. Let's see what God wants to do. There are things that we have time to do when we're locked up that we might not have time to do otherwise. And how many times I've heard people say, well, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to, to connect with other Christians. I'm, I'm too busy to write that thank you letter. I'm too busy to read a book. I'm too re- busy to read my Bible. And, and it goes on and on. Well, you can't use that excuse now. This is a time when you have the opportunity to get your life ordered and to start doing the things that you're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm praying that that will happen. And I'm, as we're looking at Philemon, we are going to explore some of the things that the Apostle Paul was able to do because he was locked up. I'm praying that you and I will follow the example of the Apostle Paul who urged believers to imitate him. So that's what we're going to do. Now, before I go further, let me just quickly give you a summary of Philemon. Philemon uh, is, a, is a leader of one of the churches that Paul is writing to. And in fact, Paul expects that, that Philemon will read this letter that he's written, that Paul's written to him, that he will read it to the church. And we, we, we recognize that the Apostle Paul is in prison. We We believe he was imprisoned in Ephesus uh, when this letter was written. Onesimus has been led to the Lord by the Apostle Paul, and now the Apostle Paul wants to send Onesimus back to his master to be reconciled and to love one another. And Paul wants this relationship to be healed. So, before I go any further, let me just read to you the first seven verses of Philemon. Remember, there is only one chapter. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister, Apphia, and to our fellow soldier, Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God, our Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Paul says, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. And I'm praying for you that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things 
that we have in Christ. Your love has given me such joy and comfort. For your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of your love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. So here's the Apostle Paul. He is a prisoner, not because of the coronavirus, but because he is a follower of Jesus Christ, and he is being obedient to Jesus Christ in preaching the gospel. So let's learn from the Apostle Paul what we need to do while we are in lockup. Because Paul's locked up, he's able to give special attention to this relationship uh, problem between Philemon and Philemon's slave Onesimus. Can I just say this before we go any further? Uh, Because we are, are followers of Jesus Christ, because we put our faith in Christ, we believe there are no coincidences. We don't believe there are accidents. We believe that everything that happens in the life of the believer is according to God's will and his purpose. Onesimus is in danger of losing his life because he has first escaped from his master, Philemon, and secondly, because he's probably stolen money. Now, Philemon, because he is the owner, Onesimus is his property. Because Philemon is the owner of Onesimus, Philemon can do whatever he wants. He can even have Onesimus put to death. I want you to understand the relationship between these men. I want you to understand that Onesimus' life is actually in jeopardy. It's in danger. And this is why the Apostle Paul is willing to step in and do what he can to bring peace and reconciliation to these men. Now, can I just point out something to you? As Christians, you and I understand that Our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to to bring peace, to make peace. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is who we are. It's what we do. And the apostle Paul doesn't think twice about it. He knows that that's his job, to try to bring fellowship to try to to establish a new relationship between these men who are both now followers of Jesus Christ. It's pretty thrilling, isn't it? And it's interesting to note that the Apostle Paul actually has the time to work on this because he's in prison. Think about that. What, What are you able to do now because you are in prison? Ah, strong word. Uh, Let's just call it what it is, quarantine. What can you do because you are now quarantined? We are agents of peace and reconciliation. And I want us today to think about the people in our lives that have been a blessing to us, the people in our life that need our help. Uh, Perhaps it's 
Maybe it's your relationship with somebody. Maybe it's your relationship with your husband or your wife or your children that needs work. You, you're in a position, you're literally locked in together. You're in a place where God, as it, it seems that God is trying to force you to get your relationship fixed. Think about that. And even as I'm speaking, I know the Holy Spirit is, is poking you. And you feel it in your own heart. You need to do uh, some serious reconciliation work. Or maybe you see other people that need you to intervene or need you to help out. Or maybe there is no problem and maybe there's just people that you have neglected to thank. Let's say, I thank God for your life. Just, just as the Apostle Paul said to Philemon, I thank God for you. Every time I, I remember you, I, I praise God for you because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. This brings such joy to Paul's heart. You know, it's so easy to go through this life and never to say thank you. It's so easy to go through this life and to fail to thank God for the people that God has brought into our lives. Uh, let me just say this. I thank God for every one of the people who are on staff at Cross Church. The work that our staff does behind the scenes, but just it's mind-boggling. You'd be amazed at how hard everybody works and how, how everybody really wants to see God's kingdom advanced and how, how everybody on our staff wants to be a blessing to the people in Burundi, to the people in our community, to the people up north. Every one of our staff members works way over 40 hours a week. Why? Because they are not doing it for a paycheck. They're doing it in obedience to Christ. And so it's that sort of thing that causes my heart to rejoice and give God thanks. But it's not enough just to say, God, thank you for these wonderful people. I have to do what the Apostle Paul did. I have to actually thank each and every one of them. I have got to express my gratitude. Well, you know that I've just expressed my gratitude now on, on this on this. Uh, broadcast, and it's, uh, it's going to be there forever now. But I'm going to tell you, that's exactly how I feel. Have you given God thanks for the people in your life that have been a blessing to you? The Apostle Paul is working on the things that are most important to him while he is imprisoned. And you've heard me say it so many times. The most important thing in this life is, or are your relationships. It's your relationship to God, and it's your relationship to one another. This is the most important thing in your life. So as you are locked up, as you're trying to survive this lockup, what you need to do is you need to think about your relationships, all of them. And where there are broken relationships, you need to take this time to fix them. And where there are, are excellent relationships and people who are blessing to you, you need to express that. In fact, you may not be even the recipient of the blessing. You may see people in your life who are blessing other people. But you need to stop and say, man, those people are such an inspiration and encouragement to me. I need to give God thanks for those people. And I need to express it and I need to tell them. Just as the Apostle Paul is doing here in verses 4 and 5. Paul has reason to complain. He's got reason to grumble. 
If anybody has a reason to complain and grumble, it's him. Because he's doing the work of God and God allows him to, to keep being locked up. Think about that for a moment. Can't you just see him? God, can't you work with me here? I'm, I'm trying to advance your kingdom. I'm trying to preach your gospel. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all this great work for you, God. Can't you protect me from this? Some of you may be thinking that right now. God, how, why, why do I have to go through this lockup? I mean, I got I to gotta support my family. I got to get to work. I've got important things to do. Well, the Apostle Paul does not grumble. He does not complain. He doesn't have a bad attitude. He's not even praying for his release from jail here. He doesn't even say anything about that. He's not rebuking Satan or the spirit of imprisonment. No. He's focused utterly and completely on doing God's will. Isn't that interesting? Let me tell you something today. The essence of the Christian faith The essence of the Christian life is that we say, Father, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if your will for me right now is to be locked up, if your will for me right now is to not have a job, if your will for me right now is to be sick, God, I am not going to stress about this. I'm not going to worry about this, God, because I know that you are sovereign. I know that you're greater. Than, than anything that I am going through. And I know, Lord, that you, in the end, will be glorified and honored. You see, this is, this is the big faith that we have at Cross Church. We believe in a big God. We believe in a God-centered theology. We believe in a God-centered faith where God is at the center and we just submit to him and do his will on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, that is why Jesus, our Lord Jesus teaches us to pray that every day. Father, not my will, but thine be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm going to tell you, it is so liberating when you begin to understand that God is sovereign and in charge. It's so liberating because now you don't have to figure out what, how am I going to solve this problem and how am I going to bring the forces of heaven and, and how am I going to defeat the forces of hell? You don't do any of that. Paul says, put on the armor of God, which is Jesus Christ, and then just stand still. We, f- we find that in the Old Testament even. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. So I'm going to encourage you today. That although things may not be going the way you would like them to go right now, relax. God's in charge. He's sovereign. He's, you think this coronavirus took him by surprise? You think all the angels in heaven, they're biting their fingernails thinking, oh no, what's going to happen next? It's not a problem. Relax. God's in control. And he's going to meet all your needs. Why do I say that? How can I say that so confidently? Because that is a promise in his word. My God shall supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And remember what we said, because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, our hope is a sure thing. So if God said it, he's going to do it. We can trust him on that. So relax and learn from whatever it is that God wants you to learn while you are in quarantine. God wants to use you 
God wants to make you a blessing and God wants to work in your life. Hey, this is what the Apostle Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance. And look at this. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. Wow, hallelujah. What more do you need to know? God's in control. We belong to Christ. We are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God. He chose us in advance. And he makes everything work out according to his plan. So here's the Apostle Paul locked up doing exactly what God has planned for him to do. Remember, God's not shocked or surprised that that Paul's in jail. Paul might be surprised, but God is not because God has got work for Paul to do. Now, let me just say this. The Apostle Paul is a busy man. When I, when I read the life of Paul, I, I feel uh, faint. <laughs> it, it, it's exhausting reading about Paul. Uh, this is a man who is a traveling evangelist. He's traveling around the world, uh, around the world at that time. Uh, keep in mind that he, has, he's, he doesn't have a, a, a jet, a super jet, provided by his ministry partners being a little facetious there. He doesn't, as far as we know, he hasn't got a horse. He hasn't, got a, he hasn't even got a donkey to ride. He's got nothing. He's walking everywhere. And he is walking massive distances. And he's, a, he's an older man now. This is a point in his life when he should probably be retiring, but not the Apostle Paul. He's got places to go, things to do, people to see. He's got preaching to do. He's got, he's got to do some church planting, uh, He's, he's solving people's problems. He's rebuking people. He's encouraging people. He's praying for people. An amazing prayer life. He is a theologian. He is a scholar. Uh, he is, uh, he's an author of, of a number of books in the New Testament. He's making disciples. He's a fundraiser. He's raising money for, for people who are uh, in need of relief in Jerusalem. You can read about that in, in Corinthians. He even made tents to support himself, because he was a tent maker. He did that so he wouldn't be a burden to anybody. I mean, this is a superman. I could never keep up with him. So this is a busy man. For him now to be in a position where he could actually help bring reconciliation and bring, bring a, a, a loving outcome in this relationship between Philemon and the new believer Onesimus could only happen because Paul hasn't got time to do anything else. Just think about that. Think about that for a moment. It's because Paul is locked up that God is able to use Paul to do what maybe nobody else could do. You're in a position right now, let the Spirit of God speak to you, you're in a position right now to be listening carefully to what the Holy Spirit is saying and speaking into your heart. God wants you to think about the relationships in your life and make sure that those relationships are what they need to be. Take time to think about that. Maybe take time to discuss it after I'm, I'm done this morning. Take time to 
Have conversations with your children. Maybe, maybe it's been months, maybe years since you last had a really good conversation with your children, with your brother or sister or, or, or other family members. But know this, the essence of this, of this life that we live is about relationships. And you and I need to make sure that we are loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving our brother, our sister, as we love ourselves. Sadly, too many of us are wasting this precious time of lockdown. Yeah, you heard me right. This lockdown, this, or lockup, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, this is a gift from God. Now, only, only a Christian could really understand that or fully appreciate that. This downtime is a gift from God. We see this life or our circumstances differently than an unbeliever. An unbeliever might be, might be uh, threatened, may be anxious, might be uptight about this, but a person who follows Christ, who has put their faith in Christ, they understand that they uh, are in the very palm of God's hand. And so the Christian is going to ask the question, what does God want me to do with this downtime? And that's the question you need to ask. Imitating the Apostle Paul, we've got to take time to pray and take time to give God thanks for the people in our lives. Paul might have wasted his time doing nothing in jail. He may have may have cursed his circumstances, his circumstances and his jail and his jailers, but that's not what he does. He's seeking God's will and trusting that God is sovereign, that God knows what's best. God knows what he's doing. Paul is thinking, what can I do for the glory of God while I'm here in this prison? Paul is not going to waste a minute on himself. Paul knows that his reason for living is to bring glory to God. And so even in that jail, he's going to say, God, show me what you want me to do. And so what does he do? Well, he does what, what all of us should be doing on a daily basis. He has this daily walk with God. So he goes into prayer and he begins to pray and he begins to give God thanks. And God brings to his mind, Philemon and Onesimus. And so we find the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, the great Apostle Paul, giving God thanks for this Philemon, who is, we don't really nothing about him except that he's a church leader. But there's the great Apostle Paul giving God praise and thanks for Philemon. Wow, it's just, it just, it's just amazing, isn't it? Well, that's what God wants us to do. Start giving God thanks for the people in your life. One of the people that I give God thanks for, and this might come as a surprise, Bill Ditchfield and uh, Creston. These, are the, these men are in the parking lot along with, uh, with others, but I want to especially point out Bill Ditchfield because Bill's a senior citizen. In fact, you see him sitting there in the parking lot. When it's minus 40, he's sitting there on his walker just waving at people and directing traffic. Man, that thrills my heart. Uh, I give God thanks for this man. It fills my heart with praise. 
And then I find myself praying for Bill, that God will provide for him, that God will meet his needs, that God will guide him, that God will make him a blessing to his daughter and to others in his life. This is what we do when we're in lockdown. We say, God, what would you have me pray about? God, what would you give me? What would you have me give thanks for? Look at this. Philemon, I say chapter one, verses four to five. I don't really need the one there because it's just verses four and five. Paul says, I always thank my God when, when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. I love it that he's giving God praise. He's rejoicing in these relationships that he has. He's saying, God, thank you. And then in verse seven, he says, your love has given me so much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Hey, you know what? It's so easy to take people for granted. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're gonna gonna have a strong relationship with your wife or your husband or your children, don't take them for granted. Take time to give God thanks for your wife, your, your husband, your children, your friends, the people in your life. And then go one step further. Do what the Apostle Paul does. Tell them. In, in this case, Paul writes Philemon a letter and says, Philemon, I, I, was, I was into prayer and praise to God, and while I was giving God thanks, I thanked him for you. I thanked God. God, for your life, Philemon, because you have brought me so much joy. Can I encourage you to do that? I mean, you know, the old, in the olden days, we just would get a little card and write a little note and pop it in the mail. Do that if, if, you're, if you're still able to do that. But you don't have to do that. You can also send an email. You can send a text. There's people that do that for me on a regular basis, and I'm going to tell you, it just it's like pouring gasoline into my tank. It's such a blessing. And I try to do the same thing. Do what, do what the Apostle Paul did. Imitate him. Give God thanks for people and then tell those people that you're thankful to God for their lives. You would be amazed at how that will transform your relationships, all of them. You will find yourself bonding and cemented together in a way that you can't imagine. I often hear people say, you know, I don't have any close friends. What can I do to be closer? Well, here it is. This is the answer. Take a moment to send somebody a text, send somebody an email, send somebody a note in the mail. It's always so nice. And just tell them how much you appreciate them. And tell them why you appreciate them. Tell them how much you love them and care about them. Learn from Paul, who took the time to give thanks to God because he was locked up. But there's more to it than that. Don't don't just give God thanks for this person's life. Uh, Take time to pray especially for them, specifically for them. In Philemon's case, here's what the Apostle Paul prayed. He says, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. Look at this. The Apostle Paul is praying for Philemon, and then he tells Philemon, Philemon, I'm praying for you. And what I'm praying for you is that you'll remember your relationship to Jesus Christ. That you will remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. Jesus Christ has died on the cross, 
and made atonement for your sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected so that you too someday will be resurrected from the dead. What Paul is doing is he's helping Philemon to get perspective, to realize, to remember that this life is not the sum total of our life. This life, as we know it, lasts for just a moment. Paul is reminding Philemon that someday we're going to spend eternity with Christ if, in fact, we have put our faith in Christ. Paul wants Philemon to finish well. Paul wants Philemon to live the Christian life. And every Christian puts into action the generosity that comes from our faith. Our faith is in Christ who gave everything for us. And now Paul is praying that Philemon will do what Jesus did. Philemon, you could kill Onesimus, but now that you're a Christian, you need to approach this from a completely different angle. You need to understand that your job is to honor Christ by your actions. Your job is to honor Christ by behaving as Christ behaved. And Christ loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Philemon, my prayers, you'll do the same. I'm going to tell you, as a father, that's what I pray for my kids, that my kids will live their lives so that they're living completely and fully for Christ and not for themselves. The greatest thing that anybody could pray for me is that Alan Duncalf will be completely dead to himself. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. When you and I are dead to ourselves, when we become totally other-oriented, when we become unselfish creatures, dead to self and alive to Christ, that's when our lives become Christ-like. And that's when we bring the, the maximum glory to God. And that's what Paul is praying for Philemon. What Paul is saying here is, Philemon, here's what I want. I want you to forgive Onesimus. I want you to embrace him as your own brother. Treat him with love, with dignity, and respect. Do it because I'm asking you, because I'm your friend, but even more so, do it because of your relationship to Jesus Christ. Folks, you want to know how to pray for people? This is how to do it. A lot of people say, I don't know how to pray for people. Here's how to do it. Pray that people will learn how to be Christ-like in all their behaviors and all that they say and in all that they do. And then tell them that. Do what Paul does, write a letter and say, here's what I'm praying for you. Uh, In fact, you could quote this verse if you want from Philemon, verse six. Just tell people, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things that we have in Christ. What do we have in Christ? I have eternal life in Christ. What do I have in in, in, in Christ? I have a brand new Alan Duncalf. The old Alan Duncalf is dead, thank God. What do I have in Christ? I have the abundant life right here and right now. And I'm going to tell you, folks, uh, 
I'm not a millionaire, but I feel rich in Christ. I feel that my needs are met in Christ. And I feel that God is busy at work in my life transforming me. And so when I think of all that Christ has done for me, then I'm going to tell you there's nothing, nothing that I can't do for Jesus. If Jesus asks me to do it, I'm going to do it. If he wants me to forgive, I'm going to forgive. And it's on that basis that the Apostle Paul tells Philemon, you forgive Onesimus because Jesus Christ forgave you. Now, folks, now you know how to pray for people. Now you know how to give thanks for people. This is what you're going to do while you're locked up. Take time and tell your spouse, tell your children, tell your friends, all the people. Tell them how much you love them and how thankful to God you are for them. I'll admit that some people are hard to think of reasons why you're thankful for them, but I'm sure that if you work hard enough at it, you'll think of something. But do it and watch what God will do in your life. Paul is praying that Philemon will be gracious to Onesimus, and he's praying that there'll be a reconciliation between these two men. Now, folks, uh, I can tell you, I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that Philemon did exactly what the Apostle Paul told him to do. And the reason I'm confident in that is that, well, this book would not be included along with the other 65 books in the Bible. The fact that it is included, I think, uh, gives us permission to safely assume that this relationship turned out exactly the way the Apostle Paul prayed that it would turn out. Think about that. God did amazing things in the lives of Philemon and Onesimus because Paul was locked up and was in a position to pray, give God thanks, and write a letter to Philemon. Now you think about this. What great miracle does God want to bring to you, to your marriage, to your family, to, these bro- to broken relationships that you know of? What miracle does God want to bring about because of this quarantine, because of this lockdown? At the end of all this, it will be wonderful to hear of testimonies of what God has done in your life, in your home, because of the lockdown. I would love to hear that people came to Christ. I would love to hear that you led somebody to Jesus. I'd love to hear that people uh, experienced personal revival. I'd love to hear of the miracles that God has done in your life or through you because of the lockup. So let's not curse the lockup anymore. Let's give God thanks and let's ask God to have his way because God wants to use this downtime in your life to be a blessing to others, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring reconciliation. But it begins with you giving praise to God for the people in your life and praying for them, praying that they will embrace the ways, the actions of generosity that comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for this time of lockdown. God, we know that in the midst of this coronavirus, there's been great, great grief and suffering and death. But God, we know that you're sovereign. You know all about it. And Father, we, we are trusting you 
And God, if it's our time to go, then Father, we just say, Lord, have your way to live as Christ, to die as gain. But we're going to trust you. We're going to believe that your will is being done. We're praying for your protection upon your people. We're praying, Father, that you would give peace and assurance that you are in charge. Father, thank you. You've given us wisdom to, to, to be wise about how to behave during the time of a, of a pandemic. We're, we're, we're social distancing ourselves. We're, we're sheltering in place. We're doing all the right things. But God, we know ultimately that you are sovereign and in charge. And so we trust ourselves to you and pray for grace to use this time of lockup for your glory and honor. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your lockdown.